Welcome to Future Insiders, a podcast about the future of tech, business, and humanity. I am your host, Kathy Hackle. Today on the podcast, we've got Kyle Jackson, the CEO of Tailspin. So today on Future Insiders, I am joined by Kyle Jackson. He is the CEO and founder of Tailspin. Hey, Kyle, welcome to Future Insiders. Hi, Kathy. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And um, Kyle and I have been kind of in the same in the same circles in the same industry for you know a couple of years. Um, it's been really interesting for me to watch Tailspin and kind of the success that your company is having. It's just been. It's just been skyrocketing and it's just been truly exciting. So maybe for folks that have never, uh, you know, connected with you or that have just maybe heard of Tailspin, uh, can you tell folks a little bit more about who you are, what you do and what Tailspin's all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's see. So we started this journey in, in late 2015, right, as, um, you know, VR was really getting um, its legs again this time. And and uh, we had a hypothesis back then that was was not really in vogue at the time because obviously, as Kathy remembers, I mean, it was, everybody was uh, so consumer focused um, as that we saw that wave, and we thought this is actually a really powerful technology for um, for enterprises, and specifically thinking about how work uh, the workforce was going to transform, and potentially being a counterbalance or an offset to some of the other trends that were going on in technology around you know automation and AI and and just the changing nature of work. So. Um, so we started building a platform back then, um, and we're very quiet about it for a number of years. And um, the platform was really focused on kind of like a new skills-based approach uh, to work and productivity, um, and using you know XR as the delivery mechanism, just because of its um, you know it, its ability to to measure um, you know the user the user's own competencies and uh, as they're going through these different experiences and be able to actually take a bit of a more like credentialed approach to competency um, around a whole host of skills and so um you know of course that started out as very um bespoke uh engagements and trying to figure out how to prove out some of those hypotheses um which was a number of years on this journey and then eventually we had enough proof points to where we could start looking at um uh, building upon the, the the kind of early assumptions and now we're uh you know a little over 100 people between los angeles and uh, the netherlands and um and working with some of the biggest employers in the world on what do we you know what kind of a, what kind of um, foundation do we put under the workforce as we go forward so and uh we yeah. we, we think and they think that xr is going to be a big part of that yeah i mean you guys have grown exponentially it's it's been it's been great to see um, and maybe let's talk a little bit, Kyle, about skills mobility. You know, what is skills mobility and how can XR make a difference? Yeah, so it's a concept that we started kind of throwing around internally because it's not really, you know, a lot of, if you look at the traditional kind of learning and development market or, or, um, or some of the other uh, markets that kind of start to blur with the work that we're doing, um, you, you know, people use the terms like uh, talent development. Mm -hmm. um, or learning management systems. These are software categories that exist. And we were trying to find a term that, that we thought better fit for where we're heading um, as a result of, of XR, right? And, and they, there was kind of two big premises there. Um, you know, first was is that 
we needed a new medium and a new foundation that could move with us uh, as quickly and as agile um, as the businesses that we were working for are, are becoming, right? As they invest in technology that completely changes the way they deliver a product or service, um, you know, that, that trickles down into the skills that are needed from, from the workforce to, alongside that, that relationship now that's being, you know, that's being forged every day. And so we locked on this term of skills mobility and the idea is that, um, you know, you need anchors. We, we, you know, as humans, we need anchors as to how we look at that lens, uh, or that, that sea of change and, um, and skills mobility really embody, embodies that, which is we're going to anchor with skills and we're going to focus on how to go from where I am to where I want to be. Uh, it's all about mobility, right? Upwards mobility in terms of our career trajectories. And so that means we have to give people a, a different map, a different lens. And we think that XR is, is largely the, the kind of the medium and the, and the um, measurement um, that's going to be required to, to do that, both for the employer and for the employee. Yeah, and one of the I think one of the uh, projects or experiences that you guys have gotten a lot of coverage on. I mean, you've done several, but uh, there's that one where you actually have to fire someone. <laughs> um, maybe can you walk folks through that one because I think that's the one that you guys have gotten a lot of uh, you know great coverage. I think it was like was it the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times? Yeah. But it was you guys got fantastic coverage. And maybe walk yeah. folks. You know what that experience is and what what is it trying to help um kind of that employee uh learn to do yeah it was it was actually part of those early hypotheses so that was um we built that i think about two and a half years ago now which is pretty wild to think about um but the idea you know so we were looking at just the general um sea of skills right saying okay work is changing so fast what are our anchors as as people and um where should we be focusing our time and energy when it comes to building you know software and content that then is going to help support those skills and on every single list that was getting published you know soft, soft skills was ranking as the biggest hole in businesses um uh, workforces right and and it, it made a lot of sense you know we were hearing a lot about like digital innates and people who were, had grown up um, you know, texting first and then dealing with, in terms of dealing with conflict. And, and so that, that had trickled into the workforce and there was this gap in terms of just interpersonal skills and soft skills. And that was also happening as we were starting to see major changes in terms of what employees wanted out of an employer, employer from a standpoint of diversity and inclusion and, and equity and cultural accountability and all those things, right? So we went, well, this is really interesting. What if we built a simulation platform where you could um, sit opposite a virtual human Right. And you basically had a safe, a safe place to fail um, yeah. at things that you just you weren't going to come into contact with until, you know, it was too late. And so um, so the test was, you know, hey, let's do this with a situation that everybody can kind of relate to, whether you've been fired or you've had to let somebody go. It's an awful situation and it's really hard to navigate because, you know, emotions run high. And so we basically did that as a, um, a bit of like a, a petri dish or a test to, to whether or not we think this could be effective for behavioral change. Um, we never actually sold that module. It was actually just a thing that went into innovation labs to test the concept, right? And so the concept um, certainly worked. People, people got, you know, people um, really got anxious in that experience. They, they, you know, we had people that, that said, you know, their hands were sweating and it was yeah. too much for them. And, and then other people that said that was really, really helpful because I usually, you know, I usually hit my breaking point in that kind of a moment and I was able to push through it and ask some questions. So that was the um, that was the uh, basis in which then we started building real modules, which which now customers are using. And so, 
those modules have been much more around um, topics like lead, leading through uncertainty or or how to give feedback. You know, most most um, uh, termination events don't actually at, end in some grandiose, you know, you're fired event. You know, most of them are a, a, a series of performance meetings, right? That over time you actually can do, if you do what your job well as a manager, you can actually really help to, to steer that person in a way where they can, where they can adapt with the business. And so, um, yeah, that fun, it's just so funny how, how much people latched onto that module because it was, um, I think it was a really good, um, just a funny moment in time, right? Where mm -hmm. people were like, wait, we're gonna use virtual humans to teach us how to be more human? That seems a little bit ironic. <laughs> and yeah, well, here we are. I think it's something that resonated with everyone because everyone, you know, most people have had a job or have had to, you know, have, you know, had to let go of someone or in other cases, people have been let go. And it's just, I think it's a very human thing uh, to use technology uh, to yeah. kind of really bring that empathy and that kind of like how how do I as a as a manager how do I make sure we are you know that I'm following protocol but how do I also as a human being uh, show empathy right um, so very very interesting work that you guys are doing let's talk a little bit more about um, some of the work that you guys are doing when it comes to the workers that find themselves currently in those in roles that are let's say hybrid roles that demand yeah. technical knowledge uh, but now communication skills like that's I think really a really interesting thing when it comes to um, you know when it comes to like reskilling or, or, or helping people mm -hmm. get, get trained for a specific role that in some ways has been accelerated because of the pandemic yeah no, it has been. I actually just was looking at a thing this morning um, that got resurfaced to me that was um, some statistics that McKenzie put out in, in late July, early August. That was almost 70% of companies that were surveyed that said they decided to accelerate investments in automation and AI since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So that's like, you know, we were predicting the sea change of technology over, say, you know, eight to 10 years. And then here we are, you know, basically, whatever, six months past that prediction. Um, and we're looking at, you know, uh, everybody saying that they're accelerating their investments. So it's, it, you know, so we just moved the timeline up, which has been one of our biggest um, focuses of this year is like, well, okay, now, now a lot of our working assumptions in terms of like when we need to be ready with certain parts of the platform and what we're doing has just changed. And, um, and the hybridization of jobs out of that is really really quite interesting because I mean we were seeing it well before you know this this discussion right going going back you know, now probably three four years in our history where we would meet with the company and they would talk about you know a field technician or somebody that had historically been very heavy on engineering you know focused uh, skills maybe electrical engineering or, or mechanical engineering skills and because of how the technology that they were servicing had changed their job had also changed to where it it was less of the actual, you know, initial engineering focus and more now somewhere as a hybrid of customer service and sales and a little bit of light engineering. And you see that a lot. And, and, and that's going to, uh, I think, only increase as we get, you know, um, some of the technologies that are that are hitting the market now in terms of maturity. So, mm -hmm. uh, so when we think about skills mobility, you know, you think about that's a pretty drastic shift for a lot of those people, right? I mean, if you went to, if you went to school to be an electrical engineer and now you're, you know, if you want to leverage off those skills to still, you know, move forward with your company, um, you might have to have a bit of a customer service or sales backbone um, to your, you know, to really how you approach your day every day. That's mm -hmm. it's, it's quite a bit different. And so, and then we're seeing the inverse 
too, where, where roles are just moving out of the field. Um, you know, what something that used to have a frontline worker is now being handled almost entirely by a sensor or some other sort of technology that's able to do that frontline worker's job. And now you have a back black office worker who's doesn't have the, the, the years of experience that, that, that frontline worker did in the field. Mm -hmm. Right. But yet it's supposed to basically be able to give service at the same level. Um, you know, so you have to figure out, well, how do I get them, yeah. you know, how do I, how do I get them exposed to that work really fast? How do I get them up to speed? And so all of these areas is where you can start to use XR to really like, you know, kind of blend one line into the other. Yeah. I mean, really interesting and fantastic use of the technology. I mean, the really, truly, I mean, you and I are believers in, you know, in XR. We, 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 we you know, yeah. we, we, we know where it's, this is going, but I just think this is just brilliant, brilliant use. Um, let's talk a little bit about the VR learning survey that you guys worked on. What did you, you know, that you guys conducted? What did you find? Like, what are some of the things that came from that? Yeah, so we actually, um, it was, we were fortunate. So we, we've been working with PwC for a couple of years now. And, and at some point they said, you know, this is, you know, we're believers, but we have to convince all of the people that we work with in our business about this. And so they, they said, um, we're going to run, you know, a, a learning survey. We're going to do an ABC test between uh, e-learning and, um, and classroom-based learning and then VR learning or, or V-learning, they called it. And um, we, we actually weren't really allowed to participate in it. So it was kind of nice because it was, um, you know, we were sitting there with our fingers crossed behind the scenes that things were going to go well, of course. <laughs> but, um, but, but we, you know, we were kind of waiting on our, on our hands for the results. And so what we actually got back was that um, they were able to, you know, prove that they were able to train four times faster than the classroom. Um, they were able to measure almost a 300% list list lift in uh in confidence of the subject so it was 275 percent yeah and and this is a soft skill simulation so this was this was a course that was around leadership bias so these are things that people had you know they'd gone through you know the e-learning of the classroom course you know either before or or they've had enough um people that had gone through that to have a good baseline and they um uh in this round of the test they they actually did an abc group of new of new um, students um, and compared them against each other. So that's how they got these, these measurements. Um, yeah, they were able to see, let's see, what else did they see? They, they said, um, just generally, I mean, some of this stuff is not as pretty obvious, right? In terms of focus, there was four, four, four times more focus on, or, you know, um, in the V learning versus the E learning. And they were um, ultimately able to see um, a really uh, surprising uh, return on investment statistic, which we found um, was one of the most valuable things that came out of it, which is that they said at about um, 375 learners, uh, the V learning actually cost less than the classroom, which was really surprising. Um, and it was only about 1900 learners where it became more cost effective than eLearn. So both those numbers were a lot lower. Yeah, a lot lower than we expected, yeah. right? Because, because the general yeah, we've been out there, you know, um, collectively, the two of us um, have been out there banging that drum, which was, hey, we think this can be cheaper. And, um, it's, you know, because it's more effective and you can do it faster. And, and this was just data that came back and said, yeah, that's actually, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the threshold was a lot lower than we thought. So it was pretty amazing. Yeah. 
pretty amazing to have that kind amazing of amazing numbers amazing numbers that i think every company out there should be paying attention to um you know go governments companies everyone should be paying attention to these to, to you know to these numbers that's, that's well really especially if, especially when some of those other mediums just went away right you can't even do classroom now. so yeah. <laughs> you know so some of that stuff is um uh, yeah i think it's, it's more relevant now than even than than before than it's ever been. I agree. And um, maybe let's talk a little bit about maybe something that you've come across uh, or that you're, you know, or that you've seen or that you're truly excited about when it comes to the future. Uh, what is something that maybe what's something that you're excited about when it comes to Tailspin and then something that you're personally excited about when it comes to the future? Oh, wow. Um, so <laughs> I think <laughs> so hard. So, so many, many things. things, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you know, for Tailspin, I, 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 it feels for the first time in, you know, it's been a five-year journey that, that, like, it's a really clear path, right? Because, you know, with any, with any you know, bleeding-edge technology and startup, I mean, you kind of wander out into the woods and you kind of hope that, you know, your hypothesis are working and that you have some tangible ways to kind of, you know, grow, grow that um, and nurture it over time. Now it feels like, you know, that's crystal clear. Um, and that's probably a little bit because of the personal excitement side too, which is that, you know, I, uh, um, yeah, we've probably both been able to get exposed to, um, some of the, the, the platforms that are coming. Right. And, uh, and so with that view of the world, you know, it's really exciting to start thinking about, you know, both tailspin and just what kind of opportunities that, that, that breeds for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I love, I love the idea of, of um, the kind of decentralization of, mm -hmm. of the major cities. Um, I grew up in Boulder and I miss nature and my wife's from Singapore and we miss our family there. And, and it's like just the idea that, that, that none of the constraints that have been put on us uh, as society are, 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 are going to be probably anchoring us for a whole lot longer. That mm -hmm. I think is just super intriguing. Um, and, and we just had our first daughter. And so I'm just thinking about like, wow, what is, how crazy different. This is going to be like the horse and buggy story for my daughter, yeah. which is just so weird to think that, you know, we're at that age now where we're thinking up, uh, you know, when I was your, when I was your age. When I was your age. <laughs> but I think, you know, I really do think that children make us better professionals, especially if we work in emerging tech. Uh, we kind of start to see the world in a totally different way. Um, so yeah, so kudos for your for your for your daughter, and I definitely think it's going to be kind of uh, something that's going to motivate you uh, to keep going with Tailspin and take it to, into the future, uh, for sure. So um, we're getting towards the end of our time together. So I want I want to make sure that if anyone's listening to this and they're interested and, and, and kind of want to connect with you, what's the best way for folks to reach you? Like where, where should they go to find out more about Tailspin and also to connect with you? Yeah. So, so for Tailspin, it's just tailspin.com, um, T-A-L-E-S-P-I-N.com. And for me, I'm on, uh, at, uh, on Twitter at uh, KJ planet. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, but we're responsive both places. So pretty easy to find. That's awesome. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for being on Future Insiders. And um, once again, I'm just thrilled to see how, you, how successful you guys have been. Thanks again, Kathy. Thanks for everything.
Thank you for listening to Future Insiders. I hope you'll join me for more interviews about the future. And don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend about the podcast.